Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. It's August 2nd, 2018. I'm Charlie Sykes. Uh, We have an all-star cast today. We have uh, Jim Swift, Alice Lloyd, and Adam Rubenstein, who is the author of a new piece on Charlie Kirk. Well, first of all, thanks for joining me, and happy August. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So, Adam, you have a piece on Charlie Kirk, who is the founder and president of something called Turning Point USA. The headline on the piece is Kid Trump. Uh, To say that Charlie Kirk has become a lightning rod on the right, I think, is putting it mildly. So just give me your take. What you did? What's the background on the story? You 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 hung out with him for a while, right? Yeah, yeah. I spent some time with him at uh, the conference that they hosted in D.C. this past week, uh, geared towards high schoolers, their high school leadership summit. And uh, he he let me backstage, and we uh, we talked a bit about his ambition for the organization, his personal ambition, uh, where he sees himself in the Republican Party, in, con- in the conservative movement. Um, what was most shocking to me was the inroads he's created in Washington, in Trump's Washington, uh, the the close friendship he has with Donald Trump Jr. and uh, the access that he has to the current White House. Yeah, a little bit of background. He's 24 years old, and uh, which is extraordinary in and of itself. Uh, and he founded this organization a few years ago, and. And it claims tens of thousands of members, but uh, there, there's some controversy about all of that. What is interesting to me about Charlie Kirk, let me tell you how old I am. I actually remember Charlie Kirk before he went full Trump, when he was uh, when he was just going around with the uh, socialism sucks uh, bumper sticker. Right. But yeah, and as got- your piece makes clear, he is he is all in, and his organization appears to be all in. Is is that would that be an accurate way of saying it? I'd say so. Yeah. Um, the um, number of MAGA hats I saw, the uh, the Trump, Trump, Trump chants, um, the lock her up chants. If there's one thing the the uh, Turning Point students united around, it was that um, Hillary Clinton not being our president is uh, Trump's number one achievement. So mm-hmm. that's really a, a, you know, a rallying cry over there. I didn't, I you know, in reading your piece, Adam, I I didn't get the sense, and you refer to Nikki Haley going and talking about mm-hmm. owning the libs, um, and then days late, like a, the very next day, they were back to the lock them up. It's kind of clear that while they may like Nikki Haley, I got the impression from from reading the story that they didn't listen to a word she said. They were just happy Nikki Haley was there. I think that's exactly right. I think uh, you know, right after she went off stage. Uh, she took selfies with just about you know almost every student who who could get one from her. Um, she gave maybe 10, 15 minutes of her time so students could take pictures with her. But what she had done, she I mean she really repudiated a lot of what uh, the students have been doing, what the students stand for. Um, I don't think that processed, or I think deep down maybe the students know that she's right, but they let the you know they're they let immaturity get the best of them. They, uh, they're not, you know, these are, there were actually some eighth graders there even. Um, you well, know, that'll are, work out well. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, they're 18 you, you, you described Turning Points USA, uh, TPUSA's essential business model as um, triggering the libs, owning the libs. And this is specifically what Nikki Haley kind of chastised them for. So for our uh, listeners who are uh, not in eighth grade, um, what, did, what does Charlie Kirk think is owning the libs. What is owning the libs about? Right. I think owning the libs is, um, I wrote in the piece that it's a form of 
a political schadenfreude. It's a, it's a way of um, reveling in the misfortune of your political opposition uh, by some sort of put down. So um, it's, a, it's actually, I think, popularized by uh, the Twitter account Comfortably Smug. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's correct. And it's, uh, it's you know, a, a phrase that's often used in the Twitter sphere, but it actually captures a lot of what, uh, the, you know, the, the ethos of young conservatism, uh, or so at you, least... You try, you try to shock and offend the liberal and, and, and get a reaction out of that. Yeah, you yeah. Say, yeah. You, you say something that would be, you know, um, out of bounds or politically incorrect, and the, the, the sign of your success is if you actually get people offended and upset, and, and maybe even, like, crying or going right, off yeah. to safe spaces with... Uh, with puppy movies. He, right. did, he didn't invent this, though. Kirk didn't invent this. Um, and, and neither did Ben Shapiro, who I think is, uh, if I'm, I'm guessing, Ben Shapiro uh, was, was an inspiration for Charlie Kirk. I mean, he sells leftist tears mugs on his webpage. I mean, that's a nicer way of basically saying owning the libs. Yeah, more or less. So, actually, that's an interesting question, Jim. How, how would you compare and contrast Ben Shapiro and Charlie Kirk? Because I, I encounter this all the time. People lump them together. And I try to make the case that uh, that they're very, very different. I think they, um, I think they are, um, and I'm not I'm not Ben's biggest fan either. Um, I, I think that leftist tears is is not not a good uh, not a good look for the right. Um, yeah, and another great. another thing that separates them is you know Ben Shapiro's a lawyer who went to college. Charlie Kirk didn't. He and you know I don't deny Charlie Kirk's success in grifting millions of dollars from old rich Republicans in uh, to a large largely useless organization, I think. Um, you know, if, if I had to choose between the Young America's Foundation, um, you know, which still brings speakers to campuses that they probably shouldn't, like Dinesh D'Souza, uh, people that young Republicans shouldn't be listening to. Um, ben Shapiro um, is a very smart guy, and he... Um, you know, is is a serious thinker. Um, and you you don't see that a lot because he did kind of get to this point through going on all these campus tours and flipping the bird at people and um, you know sort but there, of. But there is some substance behind Ben Shapiro. There absolutely that, that, is, and that, that's the question about. Uh, and I wish he Kirk, stuck to guess, that. Is, you know, Charlie is, Kirk has no substance. He's think, he's yeah, all memes. Is, is he just is he just a a, a, a grifter who? puts out tweets that are somewhat embarrassing. Alice, I want to get you in on this because, you know, this uh, this comes at a time when uh, other conservative organizations seem to be pushing back against this. And I, I said before that Charlie Kirk is kind of a lightning rod, but over the weekend we had uh, the Coke Network um, really raise some red flags about what they're doing. So can you tell me what's going on there? Because there seems to be a divide in the right about what the tactics of should be on college campus for conservative activists. Right. I, I mean, there actually there 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 uh, definitely definitely is a major divide, and I think it's it's between um, the people who value these institutions and and want to preserve their purpose um, and and the fatalistic attitude of of the TPUSA crowd, um, which seemed to say in in which seemed to have said in holding a high school summit that colleges are lost to us, so let's reverse indoctrinate um, hmm. the the younger kids. Um, I don't know if Adam, you'd see that, the but youths. that seems to be that seems to be the message of, of starting in high school. And Kirk proudly didn't go to college, um, and so I so so exactly the Charles Koch Foundation sees that there is no 
no use for for us in in their work in their uh, professor watch list. They called it McCarthyism 2.0, um, making a, making a list of um, professors who are liberal and and this is something too that that well, not that, just liberal but professors who openly. Uh, said things that weren't pro-Trump. So if they if they said things like you Trade know wars are stupid, the, the state of our discourse right now is um, yeah, you know, it's fall, yeah. It's, the state of our discourse has fallen to something uh, that it shouldn't be. The those people would be on the, the list. Those people uh, could be included on the list. Okay, yeah. so a blacklist of all reasonable adults. Um, I mean, I, actually, I mean, it's interesting. You could get death threats, well, right? There, there have been uh, teachers who uh, have had serious problems after going on the list. I'm not sure this, the specifics, but uh, a, a, Google, a quick Google search and you'll see there have been uh, issues with students on campuses um, uh, where they've uh, confronted teachers about about things on the watch list. There, there have been. Uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, entirely yeah, certain. The un- the underlying purpose of the watch list, I would think, is to tell the MAGA Trump supporting students whose class not to take, which of course is stupid because, uh, I mean, it, it is literal, uh, uh, actively and knowingly engaging in cognitive dissonance. Yeah, okay, and if now, we're going e- to be honest, here, too, we everyone need to... here has has written about um, the stifling climate on university campuses. Right. You know, the, the the overwhelming you know push for conformity, the the you know safe spaces. So Alice, that that's. I want to go back to this. Yeah. Why now are groups like the Coke Network pushing back against, you know, w- what would have billed itself as the number one conservative youth movement on, on campus? What, w- what what line have they crossed? What's shifted? They're noticing a uh, censorious response to a censorship problem um, and, and realizing that it's counterproductive and hypocritical. And it's something that they saw, too. So they were a big donor for the Leadership Institute, which campus mm-hmm. reform is a part of. And campus reform reform had um, a kind of like an ongoing research series and they would publish um, they would they would publish stories that made lists of um, I mean it was kind of like the professor watch list they'd made they made speaker lists so lists of invited speakers who you know uh, were most of them politically liberal most of them actually weren't political at all but if they were they you know weren't conservatives because as we all know um, God God forbid liberals get in on the campus speech grift you know? I know Just, I know but 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 so so I uh, so brazen yeah yeah and and so what what I what I like that that they're kind of uh, at over at over at the Koch Foundation doing sort of in response to uh, what they see is a problem of of you know you could you could call the problem when they go low we go low or lower. Um, um, what they're doing in response is now pitching a kind of a curriculum that 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 requires um, reading fully, you know, of the canon on both sides. So if you read Marx, you also read Hayek, you know, uh-huh. and that's just I mean, that's what we're supposed to do in school anyway. But does um, reading Hayek trigger the libs? I don't think triggering the libs belongs in these conversations, and that it yeah. shouldn't. It shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> but Marx also shouldn't trigger the cons either. So no, yeah. So well, I mean, it's not. Read this more is, this is, is the answer to every culture war, guys. Right, it is. It is, and yeah. th- this isn't. 
the only thing that they do on you know they don't just have a professor watch list they also um host controversial events where they um jim jim will tell you more about one specific but they do things like they they host uh hot unionized hot dog stands Mm -hmm. and they um have affirmative action bake sales where they charge different students uh based on their race uh, in my favorite, prices. wearing wearing diapers to I own the libs. I was going to ask you, great minds, tell me about the diapers. That happened at Kent State, and there's this uh, young girl like Caitlin something. Bennett. Bennett, Caitlin Bennett. The girl Bennett. with the big blonde hair. Yes, and, and the and guns. And the guns. Yeah. yeah. Great uh, hair. <laughs> she, was, uh, she was the leader of Turning Point USA's chapter at Kent State, which uh, had someone wearing adult diapers to, to basically own the libs. And it really, that's kind of where wearing a diapers to own the libs and the own the libs meme sort of originated or at least is credited by most meme watchers um but then she had a famous break uh with turning point usa and kind of like denounced them and she like went really i i, I wouldn't even say like hard right she you know thinks the nra are shills and you know is just kind of runs some like i think it's like liberty hangout or something and now basically she's owning the libs with pictures of guns on social media and this is i think kind of the unfortunate fortunate thing that Turning Point USA uh, has glamorized with Candace Owens and with Charlie Kirk. And these young kids, uh, high schoolers, sadly, are looking up to this and they idolize this. And, you know, I mean, not everyone can get lots of old, rich, conservative millionaires and billionaires to give them millions of dollars. So they're very successful at doing. Yeah. And which they use to buy their way onto panels and things. Um, You know, I mean, it's it's, you know, money begets money and they, they they have the momentum. But like for all these young kids. It's it's you know like telling uh, a young basketball player that you're you're going to join the NBA, you right? Know. But also, I mean, to enter the mindset of the, of the conservative donor for a second, they're concerned they, about kids. They, they see yeah. right, and they see, you know, in their in their terms, liberalism running amok on college campuses, mm-hmm. and so their response is to uh, fund somebody who bills himself as a disruptor, who's going to upset the balance, the balance, which favors liberals. You know, there was one quote at the, uh, I think it was actually a congressman who said this, but I'm not going to attribute it specifically. There was a quote at the conference, you know, if it's 20 to one liberals to conservatives, I'd take the conservatives in the fight. Like Mm -hmm. they, they view this as a, a war. I mean, Charlie described it to me as a culture war and he's, uh, creating warriors to, you know, services phalanx in this war. I, I went to a oh, Young America's oh, Foundation yeah. conference when I was in high school, and that's where I met Fred Barnes, Jonah Goldberg, and I subscribed to the Weekly Standard, and I subscribed to National Review, and I think this is part of the folly, is these cons- these conservative money types, uh, who are rightly concerned about the kids and the youth, start creating these organizations or publications that are run by the youth. The youth should be listening to the adults. Now the youth are basically listening to people who are like six years older than them not and have no even, life experience. Not even. Let, let, I have me, to tell let, you. Let me just back up here because this is this is what kind of breaks my heart here because, of course, the donors are responding to a real problem. I've written several books about this, you know, what's going on on campus. So there are legitimate concerns and there have been – there's a long history of, I think, relatively effective organization by conservatives on campus pushing back against some of this. In fact, campuses for years, I think, were – were great, you know, incubators for, uh, you know, conservatives because they were reacting against the extremism that they saw. But the problem is now, and you've used this uh, word several times now, Jim, um, 
is is the is the now the grifters come forward the the celebrities um, who are finding a way to turn this uh, you know to to turn this movement into sort of a almost a cult of personality for themselves. There's something about you know these very very young super celebrities with with their access to power and uh, you know and, uh, and and television time that really seems to turn their heads. And I think that that in part. You know, it, you know, it, it, it explains this—the fact that they're not talking about reading Hayek or more Aristotle; that they're they're talking about doing the thing that will um, that they can put in a tweet or that will make a, a short soundbite on Fox and Friends. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a mis- misadjusted priorities, and they think that becoming YouTube or Instagram or the Fox News celebrities is is the pinnacle. Um, but you know, they haven't been around long enough to know that most of these you know young shooting stars are just that shooting stars. They almost none of them have staying power, and you could just pick a random year and find someone who went on Fox a bunch of times as a young person, and they wouldn't have been on Fox two years later. Odds are. Um, so, <laughs> hell of a way to go through life. Um, All right. So, so Adam, are we being too hard on uh, on, on Charlie Kirk? I'm not sure. Kid no, Trump. Right. So, I'm not sure. I mean, it's it's really an open question. The students there at the uh, conclusion of the conference started uh, chanting Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. Mm-hmm. They want him to run for president. And uh, I want Charlie Sykes to run for president too. <laughs> yeah, I, it was I the wrong Charlie. That, that was about me, but I guess I was wrong. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. No. Um. It's. <laughs> It's something the donors also they, anticipate they him, from yeah. him. They they anticipate access. I think um, should he have a political career. Um, I don't know if he views not having gone to college as a as a um, stumbling block in running for office at some point. But you know, well, actually, one of his um, most important donors told me, most important donors and mentors uh, told me that. Uh, he doesn't want Charlie to run for any office but the presidency. Oh, that he right. hopes that uh, you know, I guess it would be uh, eleven he, years from now. Eleven years, yeah, exactly. Um, Why waste any time? Right. Now, Alice, uh, I don't know whether you, you want to address this, but I mean, there were. I wish I had it in front of me right now. There have been a number of in, investigative or in-depth reports into TPUSA that, that would suggest that they are not all that they tell their donors. That they have inflated uh, some of the numbers of. Uh, they've inflated the numbers of members. They've inflated the numbers of uh, um, campus uh, officers who've been elected with their support. So there's real questions about about this organization, and and there seems to be a growing list of of uh, former activists who have come out and going, you know, somewhat disillusioned by this uh, super celebrity um, access to power approach that, uh, that the organization is taking, including the role of people like Candace Owen, who's, I mean, she's out there. Anecdotally, on a, on a campus that's famous for its kind of um, conservative antics, where I went to school, um, uh, I, I've been I've been hearing about uh, kids being siphoned away from the college Republicans, from the conservative newspaper to TPUSA because as a freshman you uh, can feel like you're in charge, doing something new, and being siphoned away I think means means signing up at a table, right, and maybe going to some events. Like pledging a fraternity. It's market. It's a market easy. Share. It's a very easy way to, to be a part of something bigger. 
Um, and and I mean, imagine what you remember what you felt like, I guess, at a, at a, as as a freshman mm-hmm. on a new campus. You'd you'd rather be a bigger part of something, uh, and, and, than, and it than seems be like a junior right? copy I mean, is, editor on the be, conservative. This newspaper. is how to be countercultural. You know, you're 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 saying and doing things that are. I remember at uh, one of the uh, CPAC conferences I was at, there was no question that. Um, they they were the most enthusiastic group, jumping up and down, you know, with signs and everything. They they actually, you know, have a certain uh, showbiz flair to them. And you know, when you think about it, these are the successors of, you know, the folks who ran the the Dartmouth Review back in back in the day, where they they really you know reveled in in being the dissenters on campus. And remember, that's where people like Dinesh D'Souza and Laura Ingram came from. You know, and they 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 basically they cut fell their from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's interesting is that if it, when you bring up Dinesh in particular, um, uh, people who respected his work no longer do, and and his first big bestseller was about exactly this problem, um, but it was carefully researched and it was it was serious and relatively academic. Although people like to point out now he has no advanced degrees. Um, uh, but I mean, but he has he's he's got one on Kirk. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Um, no, but I think I mean, I, I we we do have I think enough of a history of um, um, conservatives pushing back on you know the liberal stranglehold on the campus. Uh, we have enough of a history of what that looks like to see how how quickly it it can it can get creepy and decadent and mercenary. Um, right. It's, it's, like, yeah. it's where right now, I mean, when I saw the students shouting fake news, uh, pointing at CNN in the back of the room, it really looked like they were taking a victory lap. Like this is their time. They don't know when next will be their time that, you know, I guess in like in Kissinger's terms, they're the satisfied power or the liberals for so long were the satisfied power and they were the revolutionary power. Hmm. And now, now is their time to be the satisfied power. And if you, you know, transpose that onto the campus, for so long, liberals have been the satisfied power. These groups are the revolutionaries. They're trying Very to upset much. that balance. And Charlie, I think you'll agree that one of the most dangerous things about this, too, is that it's really a distraction from um, what a problem that persists. And so you can't, you can't find anymore a university professor, no matter how politically liberal, who doesn't have some story of 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 a student's you know oversensitive and inane and surprising reaction to something that ought not to be controversial. I mean, yes. those are the those stories abound, and that's why I'm so excited for um for so Jonathan Haidt and um, yes. Greg, whose surname I've never figured out how to pronounce. Lukianov. Thank you. Of the Fire Institute, <laughs> their book is coming out in a couple weeks, and and neither of them is a conservative Republican. Um, and yet, and yet they, um, as I mean, as you too have, sorry, no offense, but their book is coming out really soon, Charlie, mm-hmm. and yours was a yeah. couple of years ago. <laughs> um, um, and, and I mean, I, I, I think we need to keep talking about these problems intelligently. And so censorship that now seems to be coming from right wing mobs um, is, is almost more dangerous. You know, this is a great point that Alice yeah. is, is, is making. In, 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 in a sense, right now, I think the Center, the the center left, center right, conservatives on campus have have the moral high ground on 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 intellectual tolerance, on free speech, on all of these issues, uh, on on liberal education, and yet when you have organizations like TPUSA come in, 
what you do is you you mimic the worst tactics and attitudes of the other side and you and you really give that up and you you use the, I think the correct word it is a distraction these are fundamental issues there are really powerfully important things happening on campus in fact maybe even making progress and this could this could backfire badly uh, and I have a question I want to ask you in just a second I'm, I'm going to interrupt myself here but um, you know the the other thing is I do wonder whether or not as as uh, this this total investment in you know um, you know Trumpism is really what conservatives want to be doing to appeal to young people in the future you know conservative ideas I think can be very very appealing on campus I'm not sure how Trumpism is going to age okay now Alice I want to put you a little bit on the spot here because you, you really raised a question that, that just just nags at me here because we talked about Dinesh D'Souza and he really comes from kind of the same environment. And he did write a book, this bestseller, his first big book was Illiberal Education. I remember it very, very well. We all probably remember it. So, Alice, what happened to him? Uh, a lot because of, this mean, is kind of the trajectory. What, what, what happens to conservatives who at one time were, were actually serious and substantive, and then they become what they are today so 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 he's an he's an interesting case um but but i mean a lot a lot of people will say that with him it's a most purely mercenary that he he lo- he needed the hungriest audience and so um so when you when you ask him he'll say that he realized that writing for the kind of center right center left cross section of democratically minded um uh, you know, um, educated middle brow readers who care deeply about um, about these issues. Writing for them wasn't going to get get him um, quite as far as as writing for as as you know pandering to the to the to the uh, partisans, I guess. And so and so that's um, that's definitely a part of I think the corruption that that happens with these public intellectuals. Um, and 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 we we seen it we see it in another persona, but persona I guess is the plural. But um, but but I mean, what's interesting about about him too is that so he and Laura Ingram um, were were on the Dartmouth Review together, and so they motivated each other um, to uh, to be to 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 be kind of outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then and then um, it ended with a garden house. Oh. No, that that story that's a, that story is about somebody else. That oh, okay. story is about I think it's about David Ignatius. We don't need to get into that. Okay. But um <laughs> no, but they motivated each other and then they were there with Wendy Long too, who was who is mm-hmm. the candidate that he fraudulently uh financed. Um and uh and and she and she too will openly say I had to keep up with their contributions to the movement. That's why I ran my quixotic campaign. Um and so you you it it, it was kind of um, an arrested development situation, like the, well, the sophomoric they, they, attitudes, they weren't mm-hmm. able to ever break out of because they were trapped. I mean, it's kind of like the second volume of like a you know like an epic campus novel or something. Like why? Well, and also they they, be, they benefited <laughs> by the intolerance of the left on the campus. I mean, the the Dartmouth yeah. administration, you know, w- you know, handled it about as badly as they possibly could have. So they made themselves a national. Uh, national figures, in part because um, they could portray themselves as being victimized or being uh, or being harassed by a a really intellectually intolerant environment. Uh, the they Daily Standard is brought to you today yeah. by Mac Weldon, Sorry. and their simple their mission is quite simple: to make sure that all of your basics are smartly designed and shopping for them is easy and convenient. They started from scratch; they engineered their very own fabric, making sure the design process was meticulous so you can count on the fit being the same each and every time. 
The difference is in the details. So they obsessed over every stitch and seam until they reached their definition of perfect. Look, if you don't have Paul Manafort's clothing budget, this is a great alternative. They believe in smart design, premium fabric, simple shopping. I, I think you're going to agree on all of this. Um, it, the, the, the clothes travel extremely well. The website is awfully easy to use. So we have some special offers to listeners of The Daily Standard. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com. Enter promo code STANDARD at checkout. That's MacWeldon.com. Use promo code STANDARD at checkout for 20% off. So give me your sense, Adam. One last question for the team. Five years from now, 10 years from now, Where's Charlie Kirk? That's the, I mean, that's the most important question of this whole thing. He'll be, uh, you know, in 10 years, he'll be 34. He won't yet be able to run for president, but he might be in a campaign. You know, it depends on the dates. Uh, and I guess who else is running. But I think what everyone who thinks, you know, everyone who thinks that Charlie's going to run for office, I'm not sure they understand how this works. Uh, if he's running for Congress, uh, it's not, like, what's his district? He spends 300 days a year uh, a little more than that, actually, on the road. And he his address is, uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's actually back at his parents' house in Illinois, in, in, you know, a suburb of Chicago. And so is he going to run from there? Um, and how, how exactly does he uh, manage to get the uh, nomination and what happens to his group and I mean there's all there's all these questions that and arise. what happens to Trumpism what are we going to look back you know 11 years from now will we look back on this as the great right. revival of the conservative movement or will a lot of people be going yeah do well well I mean if you look at its roots uh, Kirk got his start in the Tea Party uh, and the man who found him William Montgomery was a local Tea Party activist mm -hmm. and he's he's very much a product of of the Tea Party of uh, this somewhat conservative, I mean, this conservative effort to claw back government, uh, sort of a libertarian, but um, about limited government. And uh, when, I, I, when I, I... By the way, I thought it was interesting in your article when you asked him about whether or not he would ever criticize the Trump administration, for example, abandoning free trade or a variety of reasons. He was very uh, sort of upfront that no, he's really not going to criticize them. He's he's pretty much uh, in and he's, he's still against tariffs, but... Uh, what, what was his line that as long as you agree on the big stuff, he's not going to criticize yeah, uh, them right. on anything? Exactly. On the big things. And uh, I would say tariffs, protective tariffs into the state of our economy, that's a big thing. Um, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't thrilled with uh, the the position he took uh, reconciling that with you know my own, which is that we should be calling balls and strikes when we can um, and that it's our job to uphold um, – you know, it's each person's job to uphold where – you know their place in the party – um, morally, uh, pragmatically, and not just to, uh, you know, be a puppet of the party. Um, mm. I well, yeah. um, Alice Lloyd, Jim Swift, Adam Rubinson, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. We'll be back tomorrow and we'll be doing this all over again. <laughs>